You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Main stands we read our foundational scripture for part three of this series that I started three weeks ago entitled prove your own work prove your own work coming from Galatians the sixth chapter starting at verse one and it reads brethren if a man be overtaken in a fault ye who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering yourself lest you also be tempted bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, think you're all that when you're none of that, he deceiveth himself. He said, but this is what you ought to do. Let every man prove his own work. And then shall you have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Come on, as you're being seated. Remind your neighbor, say, we're going to prove our own work. We're going to prove our own work. The other translations of that verse, so we get real clear again, reminded that it says in New Living, pay careful attention to your own work. Then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done. A job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone. Amplified said, then you can have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. And then the message translation said, don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. And I think that over the last three weeks, I've really been trying to remind us that we can't get distracted by everything and everybody that we see on social media. I consider myself to be a spiritually, to be uh, a relatively spiritually mature person, and yet I find myself that I have to deliberately, intentionally unfollow certain people. And I have to block certain, and sometimes it's not because they're bad people or they've done anything wrong is that I find myself comparing myself to them. It's all the more so, don't let me know something that the general public don't know. Then you really start to say, I can't believe they got this and they're doing this and that, that. And so so to keep myself from being distracted, I will deliberately delete people, unfollow people, because I got enough to do myself. With my own life, my own family, my own finances, my own church, my own business. And so that is the negative consequence to even this social media climate that we can get caught up in is that comparison and jealousy, feelings of inferiority. If you think you have less than someone else, feelings of superiority, if you think you got more going on or have more than them. So we looked at this text and we've been unpacking it about doing and proving your own work. We said the first thing you have to do is 
is focus on your assignment. I've been meditating on this all week about focusing on your assignment. You'd be surprised at people who won't do little things because they think they're called to do a big thing. What does that mean? Never forget, we had just started our church. And of course, we're not near the size we are now, or had the influence we have now, or, or known as we are now. And we had just a couple youth, and this young man was in our church, and he kept saying, he said, the Lord called me to have a youth ministry, youth ministry. I said, well, well you know, let's, let's start with these teenagers we have here. He said, no, no, it's not going to be in the church. God called me to a worldwide youth ministry. Worldwide. Okay. Um, and so he says, not, it's not going to be in the church. It's a worldwide. Okay. Now, that was, that was y'all, that was 27 years ago. If it was that worldwide, y'all would know it if I mentioned it. Nobody knows him or it. Because everything big starts small. And here's the other thing you really have to get. This is, this is, this is really going to make this so plain. Almost, we almost can just shut the Bible and go home after that make this point. And that is, you're going to find the will of God. You're going to find purpose. And you're going to find your assignment as you serve. I can't tell you how many people in this church who are doing great things now in the community or even beyond this church, they started serving in church. And by serving in church, a door opened. A gift flourished. Come on. They had influence. They recognized they had something that they didn't realize they had. They developed a passion for something that first they were just doing just to help out. For all you people who say, I don't want to help out because that's not my passion. Every, you, you know, uh, uh, I, I started off, I, I told you, I started off in church. I just wanted to, I just wanted to join the junior choir. That's, I just wanted to join the junior choir. Then they gave me a lead to, um, I decided to make Jesus my choice. The first song I ever sang in church, solo. Some folks would rather have houses or land. Then Miss Hughes yelled out, oh, yes, he will. I don't care what it was. Miss Hughes had one praise, oh, yes, he will. I wasn't even talking about him doing nothing. We had one praise in our church, one woman. Can you imagine a church with one praiser? Any of y'all come from a church that have one praiser and everybody just, oh, that's so so and so. Yeah. Just wanted to join the junior choir. And then before you know it, I was doing this and I was doing that. I, uh, you know, there, there were certain things that I did in the church just because there was a need. It unfolded a gift later, or God developed it, but I started off just wanting to help. So you got to focus on your assignment, but you're going to find your assignment many times, catch this, by getting involved in somebody else's assignment. You're going to find out your assignment by getting involved in somebody else's assignment. You're going to develop your gift by helping somebody else with their gift. Now, I wasn't expecting a whole lot of amens on that part, but it's true anyway. So the second thing we said, you have to develop your gifts because what you are is God's gift to you, but what you become is your gift to God. 
That means to bring out your capabilities and, po and possibilities to bring to a more advanced state, to grow and expand, to bring it gradually into existence or operation. And development requires process. Everyone says process. We tend not to like process. But there's a process to every promise. Bible has a lot to say about process. Agriculture has a process. Seed, time, and harvest. The earth yields forth the crop, first the blade, then the, then the ear, then the full corn and ear. Jesus went through a process. He increased with wisdom and favor with God and man. Jesus went through the process of becoming a servant. And the Bible says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. There's process to the promise. There's a process to promotion. Let me move on to the third and final thing I want to take today. You have to maximize your potential. We used to sing a song when I was a little boy in our Sunday school song. It says, I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. And if you listen, you can hear God's voice, and if you ask him, he'll help you make the right choice. I am a promise to be anything God wants me to be. And they were teaching us as children that you have potential. There's stuff inside of you that's going to become greater later. Okay? Every boy has the potential to become a man. Every girl has the potential to become a woman. Now, society will tell you now, get some hormones and some surges and stop it. Stop what God wants you to be. Stunt the potential. But God has certain things in mind for you in your life and what he wants to make out of you from the time you were born. No one is born without purpose. But you have to maximize your potential. God expects us to maximize our potential. Look at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10. In 2 Peter, now focus on this. I'm going to give it to you from at least two translations. Peter says, but also for this reason, giving all diligence. Everybody say be diligent. Throughout this series, I've used that word several times, diligent. God's a reward of them who diligently seek it. Diligent means persistent. It means consistency. It means sticking with it. It means not giving up on it. Give all diligence to add to your faith. Let's stop right there. Add to your faith. You come in when you first get saved, the first thing you have is faith. God's given to all of us, according to Romans 12 and 3, the measure of faith. By faith, by grace, you are saved through faith. So you come in with faith. That's where we all start. Faith is the foundation of your relationship with God. Faith is the basis of Christianity. Faith is the basis of you becoming a new creature. Faith is the basis of you becoming a son of God. But now you can't just stay right there when you came in. You got to add to your faith virtue, which is moral excellence. That means soon as you get born again, you don't have moral excellence. But you can become morally excellent. You got to add to that more excellent virtue, knowledge. You got to get in the word. You got to get, get, you got to be taught. You got to add to the knowledge some self-control, discipline. You got to add to that self-control, some perseverance. You got to add to that, to that 
uh, persevering, some godliness, which is godly character. To godly character, you need to add some brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, you need to add love. And he says, if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren, that means nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, but he who lacks these things, so you can be saved and lack those things. He who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Therefore, brethren, he said, use that word again, be even more what? Diligent to make your call and election sure, and if you do these things, you will never stumble. If you are persistent and continuously being involved in your own spiritual development and growth, you'll get to the place everything, every time something happens, it doesn't make you backslide. Every time you're heartbroken, you don't leave the church. But you gotta, add, you gotta maximize your potential. Look at listen to that verse from those verses from the Living Translation, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. You started with faith, but you can't just stay there. I, I believe, I got no, you gotta supplement that with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brother affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of y'all, you are too, you've been saved too long to be that immature. I mean, you, you ever see somebody, the way they carry on and after, they say, I'm a Christian. I say, yeah, how long have you been saved? They go, oh, yeah, 20 years, and you look like, huh? You must mean 20 minutes the way you cuss. Don't y'all get up and walk out now. No, the way you cuss, you must only been saved 20 minutes. Oh, no, the way, you, the way you lie, you, know, you must be saved by 15 minutes. No, you're not adding moral excellence. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you're the only one who know it. And God didn't save you so you'd be the only one who knows it. He saved you so your light can shine. Well, I'm saved, but we just live together. Well, why? Y'all don't like me now. Let me deal with the shacking thing again. I can't stand it. It's personal for me. Personal for me because I grew up with it. I grew up with a man in my house who was not my father. Good, good or bad, and he wasn't trying to be my father. Okay? And then... When other people are married, then, then, then the kids put a position who know better. You try and lie. That's my stepfather. He wasn't my stepfather. That was his mama's boyfriend. Some of y'all got your kid calling him uncle. That's Uncle John. Well, why Uncle John in your bed, mama? That don't seem right for Uncle John to be in your bed, mama. Now you got the kids all confused. Y'all don't like me here. I mean, come on now. I, you're, you're, you're not expecting to get this anyplace else, are you? 
Some of y'all don't expect to get it in church, but you want to get it in this church. Because most pastors become punks. We want, our, we want so many people in our church that we no longer teach the word. You expect, you, you should be expected to get what God says here. You get what everybody else says out there, but when you come here, we, you're supposed to know what God said. The Lord spoke this to my spirit, that's why it's coming up. And I, 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 haven't, I haven't totally unpacked it. I haven't totally unpacked it. And I told my wife, I said, the Lord spoke to this to me when I was waking up yesterday morning. He said, people who will raise their children, okay, in that situation will end up perpetuating generations of immorality. Generations of immorality. And even as I'm talking about it, I'm unpacking it more in my, in my mind. Because there's certain things you don't, you, you know, you know, you, you don't talk to your kids about. Because you can't. So you can no longer teach morality because you're living immoral. So the reason why there's generations of immorality because nobody's teaching God's moral standard. So now we got generations. And some, like me mentioning this, some of you have no idea that the Bible says marriage is honorable and a bed is undefiled, okay? So God honors marriage. There's certain blessings that come on your life through marriage. There's increase that come on your life through marriage. Men live longer, statistically, married. That's why the Bible says, he that findeth a wife, not a side chick. He that findeth what? A wife. Not somebody help, help you pay to split the rent with. He that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth the favor of the Lord. So when I get a wife, God's wife for me, I get favor on my life. But when we don't live by God's stand, we, perpetu we perpetuate generations of immorality. So my family, my mother shacked, my sisters and brothers shacked, now I got nieces and nephews shacking and great nieces and great nephews shacking. Generations. Ooh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Lord, I'm going to need some new members, Jesus. We got a $17 million church, got a big old mortgage, Jesus. Lord, when I get to say I need some members who are still going to tie, Jesus. Give me boldness, Lord. So, if you are shacking, and don't come tell me we ain't do nothing, we just, I, was, I may have been born at night, I wasn't born last night. Somebody creeping. Watch this. So watch this. If you are shacking, you're not married, you're having sex, and you no longer teach your children don't have sex before you marry. How are you going to teach that? So you don't teach that. Now, there were some of y'all who had sex before you got married. Y'all. <laughs> That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Watch this. There's some of us who had sex before we got married, but we did it knowing it was wrong. Oh, come on now. See, that, that's the difference. 
We knew we were wrong. Got a whole generation today who look at me and say, what you talking about, Willis? Everyone does it. I mean, we, I mean, at least we knew we were wrong. People today don't even know that it's wrong because nobody's teaching God's standard. And so now, and then churches still are not teaching. So we have a whole, we have whole churches full of people in the usher, in the choir, deacons, elders, nobody's saying nothing, who's shacking up, making babies, and nobody's saying anything. Because we no longer teach God's standard. Now watch it. Please understand, I'm not, te- I'm not saying this to condemn anybody. I'm talking about the Bible says we got to maximize our potential. So once you got saved, God said, I saved you to get victory over this stuff. I saved you to bring you out. I didn't save you just to go to heaven. I saved you to give you a different life here on earth. I want you to shine and show folks how serving me is going to pay off. Oh, man, because when a man pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with you. If you just start pleasing God, he'll start fighting certain battles. You won't even have to fight. So he said, you got to add. You got to add. He said, but if you don't keep adding after you get saved, those who feel developed in this way are short-sighted and blind, and they forget. They forget that they were cleansed from their old sin. He didn't say you weren't cleansed. He said, but if you don't keep adding to it, you will live just like somebody who's not saved. Your life will not be any different than the sinner next door to you or in the next cubicle. You know you're going to heaven. You know you say nobody else knows it, and other folks don't even believe it. So the Bible tells us, y'all, that the kingdom of God is always advancing. It's always advancing. That's Matthew 11 and 12. The living translation says that the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. So the kingdom of God is always moving. Everybody say God is a moving God. (laughs) The kingdom of God is always advancing. It's always moving. And so if God is always moving, if God's always advancing, if God's saying, behold, I do a new thing, then you got to be consistently advancing. If you're not progressing, then you're regressing. Let me say it again. I'm talking about spiritually now. If you're not progressing, then you are regressing. If you're not moving forward, then you are automatically going backward. If you are not increasing, then you are decreasing. Now, we all understand this. If you're on a job and you're making the same money today that you were making 10 years ago and never had a raise, never had an increase, how many you know you've gone backwards? Because with inflation and everything moving forward, if you stayed where you are, you're getting left behind. We understand that economically, well, the same thing happens spiritually. You can't become stagnant in the kingdom. You must keep moving or get run over. In order to keep moving, y'all, you got to give it all you have. You got to do the best you can with what you've got. The Lord gave me this word before it came out this morning. You got to work the grace that God has put on your life. You got to work the grace that God has put on. 
How many of you know that God's giving you grace in some area? Come on now. Now you got to work the grace that God's put on your life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 chapter and verse 10, he said, but the grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am, but his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was given me. He said, I took what God placed on me, I took what God put in me, and I worked that thing. <laughs> Look, somebody say, you got to work that thing, you got to work that thing, okay? There's a grace on your life. There's a grace in business. There's a grace in sales. There's a grace in, in the political arena. There's, there's a grace in the nonprofit arena. There's a grace in that, in that field of endeavor. You got to work it, though. He said, Paul said, what God put on me, it was not in vain. Have y'all ever seen somebody, you realize, got so much potential, but they lazy? Like, my, you know, you really could do this if you would do this. Bishop James tells the story. He says, you know, he, 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 was, he was preaching, and I remember the first time Bishop James came and preached in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was there. He was overwhelmed. He said the Lord told him he was going to be preaching. Or the year before, he was preaching. He was in the rafters. Nobody knew his name. The next, the next year, he was preaching at Azusa. The next year, at the same conference, nobody knew his name. He was up in the rafters. And then he tells the story. And he, he, the only reason why I'm saying it, because he shared this publicly. He said, and I was there when Joyce Meyer preached there the first time. Joyce Meyer got up. And told, this is around 1992, 93. She got up. Carlton Pearson introduces her. And she almost couldn't speak. He was overwhelmed by a crowd of like that, maybe sent a season like seven, eight thousand. She said, The Lord told me I was gonna be preaching at conferences like this one time, one day. She was overwhelmed to see the manifestation. But Bishop J tells the story. He said he and Joyce Meyer were one time doing a conference together, and he, you know, uh, and he had his tapes out there, and, and she said something. She said, I heard him preach. He said, she said, now you you got something. But you got to do something with these tapes. He was talking about how they were packaged. Those of us who know graphics and own ministry now, after that, Bishop Jake starts setting the standard for graphics. He had potential, but the packaging wasn't good. Some of y'all don't like me here. Some of you got potential, you just keep showing up in the wrong package. You got to work on your packaging. Oh, I don't want to go deep in this because y'all really, Lord, the Lord trying to get me to lose all my members today, Jesus. Y'all, appearance still matters. Ladies, they don't bind us off. You may really be somebody, but that body package, it just, it don't look good. I don't care if it does have sparkles on it. We were coming out the airport yesterday, and this girl, she had this, purp this purple bonnet on with sparkles on it. I saw Pastor Marshall, I told Pastor Marshall, I said, that's the one you need right there. That's <laughs> Y'all keep that at home. That's the wrong package in that church. It's the wrong packaging on your job. And if you're single, believing that you're going to be found, 
own packaging to get the kind of husband who don't want a wife who walk the streets with a bonnet on her head. Well, that's all right. I, I ain't looking for that kind. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a roughneck. Fine, that's what you got. You want Buster? Buster will be attracted to you. Look at your neighbor and say, work on the packaging, work on the packaging. We try to get brothers to understand that. Walk around with your, with your pants all sagging. And then, how you gonna, how you going to be a sagging criminal? You're trying to steal the stuff out of Neiman Marcus. Can't even run out. Look at the neighbor and say, work on the packaging, work on the packaging. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.